post a lot to Facebook. I post a lot of dad jokes. I post a lot of humor. I post a lot of puns and jokes and things that I think people will laugh at. And hopefully they do. I get the little laughing emoji. I don't know if that's because people are laughing or if people have pity. But uh, people post on there, so you know, hopefully people are enjoying it. But uh, what you might not know is uh, for the last two years, I've really needed that humor to get through some difficult times. And if you were here during our uh, Summer Stories series last year, I talked about this. And uh, two years ago, it's 2020. How many of us remember 2020? Did something happen in 2020? Anybody? Anything? Yeah, COVID hit. So I was working a job in Charlotte, and we worked with uh, churches. So churches were not meeting. And not only did I work with churches, I worked with churches that met in movie theaters and schools and gyms. Well, all those were shut down, so we didn't have a lot of work to do. So a blessing in disguise, we had to kind of stay home and, and, uh, and do that because there really wasn't that much work to do because a couple of months after that, uh, my wife and I were at the beach again. That's a common theme. Um, I enjoy going to the beach, but we were same place. We were at Oak Island, and I told her, um, I confessed something to her because, you know, us guys, we usually go through something for a while before we actually confess it to our wives, and I told her, hey, I've, I've been having these weird pains for about a month or two. She's like, what do you mean weird pains? I said, well, I've had a lot of pain for a month or two, and I didn't really want to say anything because I didn't want you to worry about it. She's like, well, of course, now I'm more worried about it, so that, that plan backfired in my face, but uh, I was having a lot of pain in my back, and it started in my lower back, and it was in my hip, and it was going down my leg, and I didn't really understand it. So we did what you do when you don't feel well. We went to the doctor. So we went to the doctor, and the first time we went, they uh, ran some tests, kind of did some stretches and stuff, and they said, does this hurt? I said, everything hurts. So yes, it does hurt. Um, so they said, all right, uh, we're not really sure what it is, but here's a prescription. They sent me out the door. So took that for a couple of days, saw no difference. It was getting worse. So went to another doctor. And they said, well, let's at least do some x-rays. I said, cool, progress, we'll do x-rays. So did the x-rays, but they didn't really see anything out of the ordinary except that I'm short. So they saw, they looked at that, and they're like, all right, we don't really see anything wrong there. So they sent me to an orthopedic doctor. So I went back and forth with them, had a couple appointments there. And finally, he said, you know what, let's do it. Let's do an MRI. Let's look inside your spine. I'm like, you think it's all the way in there? And they're like, it could be. So they did that, and uh, the first MRI, I had an appointment set up, and my wife couldn't make it. She was at work, and um, I, uh, they, they told me there, they said, uh, we, we've got something to tell you. And I'm like, hang on, hang on. Before we're doing anything serious, let me at least put my wife on FaceTime. So I got her on FaceTime, and um, they said, we're, we're referring you to a neurosurgeon. I said, surgeon? They said, yes. And I'm like, okay, that really ramped it up a bit. You know, I thought maybe I had just some minor back pain. I didn't know what was going on, but it was just getting worse. And so I uh, got, got the MRI, got that, and they said we need to do another MRI, what's called with contrast. So what that does is that highlights what's, if anything's in your spine, um, they give you an injection and it just highlights on the screen with the MRI. I'm not a scientist. I don't know exactly how that works, but that's, that's the gist of it. But when they did that, they found that I had a couple of spinal tumors. And so here I am at 37 years old. I've been healthy my entire life. Um, for the most part. I mean, when I was a kid, I had some things, but I was so young, I don't really remember those. But most of my adult life, I've been healthy. And now at 37 years old, my check engine light's on. <laughs> I'm like, okay, something is bad wrong here. And I can barely walk. I can barely stand. I can't sit for long periods at all. And if I lay down, it's just, just agony amounts of pain. So I, I wasn't sleeping much, and I had all these appointments I had to keep going to. And uh, the second 
uh, MRI had with imaging, or yeah, with imaging, um, John, act, John Allen actually took me to that one. And then I had one where they had to do the rest of my spine because they had to make sure I didn't have any tumors anywhere else. And uh, Dennis actually drove me to that. So, um, so anyway, that was obviously a very trying time for me. And so the question I have for everybody is, has anybody here ever felt stuck? Anybody at all? You ever feel stuck now? Yeah, and when, John, when I talked to John and he said I could preach about anything I wanted to, uh, the first thing I wanted to, the first thing that came to my mind is, is this message. I wanted to treat, treat, uh, sorry, speak about hopelessness because I felt hopeless. I had pain that I didn't know if it was ever going to go away. And when we talked about the surgery, it was, you know, we'll have the surgery or we'll remove it, but there's, there's dangers with back surgery. And I'm, I was automatically went to the worst. I was hopeless. So I went to the side that said, one of two things is going to happen. Either I can't have the surgery or I'm going to have the surgery and I'm still going to have pain and, and nothing's ever going to change. But thankfully, that's not what happened. I'm going to get to that later. But uh, anyway, so when we're hopeless, the first thing we have to do is we have to look for hope. When you look for something, what do you have to use? You have to use your eyes, right? Unless you're married, then you ask your wife. And that loud thud you heard, that was every married guy in here getting his arm smacked. But um, it's true, it's true. But we had, we had, when we're looking for hope, we have to use our eyes. But the thing is, as Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 22, um, it's a matter of our eyes kind of tell the story of, of the rest of our body. So 6.22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? See, when we go through struggles, a lot of times we, we try to find hope. And when we're looking for hope, we just look anywhere. We kind of cast a wide net. And, and I know a thing that a lot of people do is they post something on Facebook when they're struggling. And the thing is, you're going to get a mixed reaction there. You're going to get some good advice and you're going to get some bad advice. But the problem is when we look for hope, we really need to look to God. Because when we're looking to the world, we don't know, again, what kind of advice we're getting. And we're getting darkness and we're getting further and further in the darkness. And we can't have, uh, we can't have hope without some characteristics in Romans chapter 5. And Romans 5, especially verses 3 through 5, really got me through this extremely difficult time in my life. And, and again, when John and I got together, he said, what do you want to talk about? I said, I don't know, but it's coming from Romans 5, 3 through 5. I know that. And he's like, okay, well, let's look at it and see, see where it goes. And so we looked at that, uh, but in verse 1, uh, kind of sets it up getting to that point. And up to this point, Paul has been writing a letter to the uh, church in Rome, and he's been talking about true salvation. In verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We find hope because of our peace with God. We have a peace that is, that is with God. You see, because we were born in a sinful nature, we had a rift between us and God. We had a wall between us. We, we were sinful creatures, and, and God is perfect. And so in order to, to get there, something had to happen. And so, so God sent his son. He looked at us, and, and God knew how broken we would be. He knew how broken we were then. He knew how broken we always will be. But he said, I see that person. I see their pain. I see their hurt. I see their shame. I see how they treat each other. I see how they're treated. But I want them in my family. And I'm going to do everything I can for them 
to be in my family, and that everything is I'm going to send my only son to die on the cross for their sins so they can spend eternity with me. And in verse 2, uh, Paul continues, and he says, Through him we have also contained, obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of God. See, we have this grace and we have this peace because of Jesus. And grace is not only the way salvation comes to us. Grace is what sustains us throughout our Christian lives. Grace is what tells us, because of the standing with grace that we have, and standing in grace, what that does is that says we are worthy of God's love. Because without grace, we would have to constantly feel like we're having to do something to provide that or prove that we are worthy of God's love, and we'd have to constantly go to him and offer sacrifices, and, and that's what grace covers. Grace covers that. It covers our sins because I don't know about you, but I mess up every day. It's every day, and I know I'm going to, but what grace does is grace says, my child, I see that, and I'm covering that. I sent my son for that. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Verse, verses 3 through 5, um, when I was running through this message, hopefully I can get through this without getting emotional because, again, um, like I said, 3 through 5 is really what got me through um, a lot of suffering I had and, and issues I've had since. Anything that's come up is, is the verses that I go to. Paul says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put to shame because God lo- God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, somewhere along the line, we've, we've bought a lie that's been told to us. We've started to believe that if, if something is difficult, it's bad, and if something is easy, then it's good. But I'm pretty sure if you ask Elon Musk, who's the richest man in the world, you know, how he got there, he wouldn't say, oh, it was easy, you just do this. No, he would talk about the hard work he did to get there. And just like anything in life that's worth having, if it's easy, it's rarely worth having. But if it's difficult, it's worth fighting for. And it's the same way in our lives, because if our hope is in God, then we can find hope in his peace. And... One, one question that we always have when we're suffering, I know one question I kept asking God over and over and over again is I kept saying, God, why is this happening? God, why do I have these tumors? God, why am I in so much pain? Why, why, why? And that's the question we always ask, and, and that's the wrong question. Because instead of asking God, God, why is this happening? What I should have been asking is, God, how is this shaping me? God, how is this forming me? God, what can I learn from this? What am I supposed to be, be doing right now? How can I better bring you glory? And it was in that time that I was just in prayer over and over and over again because when I found out I had tumors, one of the first appointments we had, I had a small panic attack in the doctor's office because we didn't know if they were cancerous or not. And spinal cancer is obviously a huge deal. But it was kind of a double-edged sword. I mean, what do you pray? Because if I had cancer... They could have used chemo and different radiations to treat it. They may not have had to have the surgery. 
But if it wasn't cancer, then I was going to have to have the surgery, and I was going to be in pain until I could have it scheduled, and then there was going to be a recovery process. So which one did I want? But the thing is, I didn't find hope in either one of those. I found my hope in God. And what I looked at in that time was, as I was praying, I noticed that my conversations with God started to change when I started to change the questions I was asking him. God started saying to me, instead of, instead of um, me just asking, why is this happening? When I ask, how is this shaping me? God said, I'm, I'm, I see the pain you're in, my child. I see the pain you have. But I'm taking that pain and I'm replacing it with a purpose. And I see the suffering that you have and I'm going to replace it with joy. And I see the doubts that you have and I'm going to replace that with truth. And I see all the ways that you're struggling. I'm going to take those away from you and I'm going to give you hope. And as I'm, as I'm getting emotional right now, y'all need to know these are not tears of, tears of sadness. These are not tears of sorrow. Carlton got emotional last week, and one thing I meant to say to him afterwards was something that God told me in seminary that I'll never forget. It's, it's when you're crying, it's not tears of pain, it's not tears of sorrow. It's God removing the junk out of your life so that the new work he is doing there will have a place to live. And that's what happened in my life. Because going into that surgery, I was hopeless. I was hopeless. I, I didn't know if I was going to walk the same again. We had a service here. Um, not long before that, or right around then, and I, or maybe it's right after surgery, I don't remember, but regardless, for a while before and after surgery, I was having to walk with a cane. And I'm 37 years old. Again, I've been in good health. I played soccer growing up and basketball, baseball. I've always ran around, always been in good health, even though I'm short and can't keep up with anybody else. I always tried. But during that time, my balance was all so bad, I had to use a, I had to use a cane. And then it got worse. So around the house, I had to push a walker. Now, my wife and I have a three-year-old. At the time, she was about a, about a year old, maybe a year and a half, and she was not really walking yet. And the hardest thing I went through with all that was she wanted Daddy to pick her up, and Daddy couldn't do it. And then the cool thing was, though, when I was pushing a walker around, she tried to help me push the walker, which was cute and, you know, disheartening all at the same time because I wanted to be able to walk, but, but I, knew, I knew that a better day was coming because my surgery was scheduled. And I knew that um, even though I had this pain I had to endure, no matter what, God had my back because I could see what, what he had done before was going to lead to what he did in the future. And I think the main reason that uh, I, was, I was really in thought and prayer about this this week, and I think the reason I really connected with this passage from Romans is we got to look at Paul's life. Paul went through suffering that we'll never comprehend. I mean, like I said, I tell some bad jokes, but nobody's ever threatened my life over it. And I've never had anybody try to stone me. I've never had anybody try to flog me. I've never had, I've never had a snake bite me that came out of a fire. I've never had all these terrible things that Paul had happening, yet Paul was still praising God. Paul wrote half of the New Testament. He didn't use that. He didn't use all the times he went into prison. What did he do in prison? He wrote letters. And he wrote letters to the churches. Because Paul saw that his hope was in the peace and the love and the mercy and the kindness of God. In verse 6, Paul has just talked about how 
we're blessed when we're suffering. In verse 6, he ties it all together. He says, for while we were still weak, at this right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even care to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, we can't go on living a hopeless life. I've been asked since I have had my surgery and I've recovered now, if the surgery wasn't available or if the surgery wouldn't have worked when I've still been able to have hope. And this is an answer that I've had to go through a long process to get to. The answer I have now is yes. The answer I had then, when I was in the midst of it, I don't know, but that has nothing to do with God. That's where I was putting my hope. Because God didn't change. God was right there. But I wasn't looking, I wasn't looking in the right place for my hope. I was looking for hope in a solution, whereas I should have been hope, looking for hope in my salvation. And now I look at it, and I'm like, you know what? I could have hope. Because when our hope is in our salvation, nothing of the world can take our hope. Nothing. Nothing can take our hope. Pain can't take our hope. A medical diagnosis can't take our hope. Struggles can't take our hope. Our neighbors that bother us can't take our hope. Our coworkers that get on our nerves can't take our hope. Rising gas prices can't take our hopes. Politics can't take our hopes. Rulings can't take our hopes. Nothing of earth can take our hope when our hope is not in the things of this world. Our hope is in God. Our hope is in God, the God of Moses, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God that's brought us out of so many fires, the God that's taught us so much, the God that's, that's pulled us, parted the waves. I mean, so many times through life we feel like the waves are crashing us, but the good news is not only has God parted the, parted the seas, but Jesus can walk on water. So if waves are crashing down upon us, we're going to be okay. And no matter what's going on, all these things the world can't take our hope. Nothing's going to take our hope because our hope's in the eternal resurrected Savior. Now, if you say to me, Ben, this, this sounds great, but um, you, don't, you don't know the struggles I've had. I've had struggles that, that you couldn't comprehend. Or I've done something to someone else that's just so bad that you just, you just couldn't comprehend it, and I feel awful about it, and I just feel like I'm not worthy of God's love. What I want you to do is, if you have a pen, write down Romans 5. But put these verses to memory, because what Paul is showing right here is it's not about us, it's about God. And God's grace covers everything. All we have to do is say, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. I believe in your son. I believe you sent your son to die for my sins. I believe that there was a wall there that had to be taken down. And that I believe that with the cross, your son Jesus tore down that wall. And I believe he reigns in glory. I believe he reigns in eternity. And God, I want that for my life. And when we go through any kind of hope, any kind of suffering, if there's one other thing I can recommend, when I was going through all this, this was in 2020. And like I said, that all the things were going on. We were completely apart from each other because of COVID and everything with that, and I was isolated. If you're going through something, do not keep it to yourself. Find other believers. Find people in this church. Find some of us, the elders. If you don't feel comfortable talking to, 
me or to Jeremy or to Dennis, guess what? We strategically have elders in this church that are husbands and wives. So if you don't want to talk to, to one of the guys, talk to their wife. Find somebody. I know right now we don't have groups going on during the summer, but that's, that's a huge way. Get connected into a group. Talk about what's going on in your life and find hope. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to, to just come up here and just share some of my story. God, I pray that you will be with us. You will help us find hope in the right places, God. I pray that we will look at you. We will see your love. We'll see your grace. We'll see your mercy. And God, as we sing this song, I pray that we will see that you are our living hope. You are the hope that won't let us down, God. And when we put our hope in something that's perfect, in something that's real, in something that's steadfast, God, you've never changed. When we're struggling, when we're looking for you, God, we feel like you've, you've drifted away, but the complete opposite is the case. God, you haven't moved. You've stayed the same. You're waiting for us. Your arms are open and you're waiting for us to come. And God, I pray that you will be with us as we're struggling, God, if we're struggling, just to, just to do everything we can to bring you glory. And God, I pray that you will uh, be with our church, be with us this summer, just help us be guided by you. And God, I pray that uh, you will just help us trust in your name. All these things I ask in your son, Jesus' name I pray, amen.